0: Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud busting body language expert. I have spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. FBI deception detection, interview and interrogation master, Stan Walters visits fraud busting today. He talks about the easiest way to avoid fraud, how to recover the most information out of your interviews, either at home or at work and understand what is truth and what's a lie. He also reveals the difference between narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths and how today's politicians' communication styles have thrown the political world into turmoil. Enjoy. Hi, it's Tracy. Just a quick thought. What would you do with $4? With that same money, a hacker can buy all of your info. I mean, social security number, credit card numbers, passwords, health insurance info, and yes, even your kids' information. Now I've searched around on the dark web and it's a good bet your info is out there for sale waiting to be used. If you're lucky, it'll just be a few charges to your credit card, but smart hackers are tapping into your credit to buy TVs, cars, houses, use your medical insurance, and even take over your banking and investment accounts, effectively kicking you out of your own accounts. You're the one that's gonna be stuck with this big problem, have mystery bills due, and need to get your money back while repairing your good credit. Now the folks at ID Shield know this, and have the solution. I've teamed up with them on their ID theft insurance. It's comprehensive, it's inexpensive, and it will let you rest easy. They will replace any money you lost, give you access to their team of licensed private investigators to do whatever it takes to repair your credit score. Yep, they'll do the heavy lifting and spend all the hours on the phone and the time it takes to restore your online reputation to pre-breach levels. You, your money, and your reputation are worth more than four dollars. Treat yourself like it. Go to fraud-busting.com slash ID Shield to learn more and get covered today. It's fraud-busting.com slash ID Shield. We'll see you on the protected side when you get there. Stan, thank you so much for coming to Fraud Busting. I'm I'm really honored that you took that you took the time to, to come on.
1: Oh, it's a I enjoyed working with you. Glad you got to be in class with me. Uh, about, what has it been? A year ago?
0: It's It's been more than that. It's I been like two probably years. two years. You had a blast. Yeah, maybe more. So so you are the lie guy. And mm-hmm. um, just so everybody knows, uh, Stan is one of the people who has helped me uh, perfect and, and really um, dial in my lie detection body language skills, because that's mostly what I do with my time and is... Mm-hmm is tell people how to spot a liar, lies, fraud, and identity theft hidden in plain sight. And um, I tell people this story about your class because, you know, I've been to several of them and yours was just, I think, the longest and and definitely the best one that I went to. Uh, A couple things always happen in these classes is that I walk in and everyone looks at me because I don't have a gun. (laughs) 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 And I'm not not wearing cargo pants. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and so I always end up with a separate introduction from everybody else. But uh, the first one I went to, which was actually with Stan Slowick, who I think you know, uh, yeah. the, the read um, technique mm. guy. I, um, and this is, this is true, and it's embarrassing. They, they handed us a class list, and it had everyone's name on it and their job. And there was five guys in there, and their title was polygrapher. Right. And I'm sitting next to the only other woman in the class. Cause there's probably what 30, 35 people in there, two women. <laughs> I was one of them and, and I kind of nudged her and I said, these guys have five wives and they're, and they're, they're putting it on the, on the class list? I'm like, what is the deal? And she goes, no, it's polygrapher. It's the polygraph guys. You're thinking polygamists. <laughs>
2: That's great.
0: So, so anyway, yeah, I'm definitely, um, I just uh, kind of hang out on the fringes of, of law enforcement and picking up your skills and putting, it, putting them in business. So tell everyone, like, what do you do? Because you're the lie guy, but what does that really mean?
1: Well, let's see, uh, for 30, almost 40 years now, I've been involved in training law enforcement in most critical skills that we're going to share today that I think uh, are potential fraud victims. They can be investigators, they can be interrogators and how they can use that skill to help protect themselves. When I train an interview and interrogation, uh, the majority of the cases ever solved are through that initial interview of not only suspects, but a lot about victims and witnesses. And so I, I teach them, first of all, how to... Harvested information from people that sometimes they have information they don't know is important. Uh, one of the cases, you were talking about sharing cases before we started. I was working a uh, homicide down in Alabama and a woman had survived an attempt on her life by the killer. And long, complex story, the guy wound up killing seven women over a bunch of states. And by miracle, she was, he had her in her house. Um, they were gonna tow his car. And he got up and left to argue with the record driver. Oh. She locked the door. Okay. And when he tried to get back in, he's beating on the door. The neighbors called the cops. So I was asking about particular intimate activity that was involved. She had to engage this guy. And so I asked her a very intimate question about what was happening in the bedroom, which was key to his behavior. Okay. And she told us, this had been like three years earlier, and she told us what was going on. Well, the homicide guy next to me was stunned. He said, you know, we've talked to you several times. You've never told us that. Why didn't you tell us? And she said, I didn't know it was important, and you didn't ask me. Oh, so well. Some what? of the things I want your, your, your viewers to think of and your artists to think of, you know, I didn't know I was going to get defrauded. Maybe if we started asking more questions and not be afraid to ask. Uh-huh. To find that information, we can make better decisions about: Do I invest in this IPO? Do I really need to give this guy my credit card? Uh, is this really a legitimate bank account or a bank loan
2: uh,
1: application. So, just a thought. So that that kind of got me started. And then, one of the things we have to think like bad guys. And I'm gonna get you into this advanced class. I'm, I can't oh, wait to go. God. I want to go. This is the one. Uh, Tracy didn't tell you all, but I've been in 38 prisons. Visiting. Not, not visiting, visiting. Right. Visiting. Not
0: incarcerated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I got an idea, who better to talk to about criminal activity like fraud than somebody who's done it? And I learned this from an old sergeant, economic crime sergeant, and he did counterfeit checks and he did identity theft, same things that you and I have worked on for years. Mm-hmm. And we had caught this guy, and he was defrauding banks and so forth, and we sat down with him and asked him, how do you do it? How do you pick out those people? Now I want, I want your, your folks that are listening to, to and watching to think about this. The guy said, I can walk into a bank and I can tell which teller is not paying attention, who's distracted, who's got their mind somewhere else. And that's the person that I pick to go to because they're not engaged. They're not aware of their surroundings. So that's the one that I'll get. In, and then when they start to act like, uh, I don't want to do this, or we can't give an account. He said, I start threatening a lawyer or lawsuit or get upset and immediately they cave because they want to be complete customer service professionals, that they give up too much and they let their guard down.
0: Oh, wow, so it's the same person who's not engaged that's going to cave really quick.
1: Yeah, because they're overwhelmed with some information. uh And in the pattern that these guys use, and it's typical of of all deceptive people, not not only in in identity theft and fraud, but in just in lying to us in general, the, the the way they manipulate people. So, I've been training law enforcement investigators how to get information from victims and witnesses.
2: Mm-hmm. It's valuable
1: to move the case forward, but also how to understand how did that subject, the bad guy, get to that point? What was part of his plan and his behavior? And if we go in an interview and look back and talk to those people, debrief them, we'll understand where our risk points are. So, the prison business I've been is, is an advanced class, and I just bef- before you came on, I got an email from the fifth group special forces at Fort Bragg I worked with them before. They want to do the whole four block series, the level one, two, three, and four. We go to prison and yeah. we go to prison. They'll sit, they'll get to sit down. They're going to sit and interview inmates and they have nothing about them. They don't know who they are or their background. And I want to see, can they find the right topics, to ask the right questions about where are the, where's the bad guy vulnerable and learn how do you, how do you talk to a burger? Well, how do you pick the houses? Now we can create prevention measures. How do you manage identity theft? Well, this is what I do to people. If we learn that, then we can protect ourselves.
0: Oh, wow. But okay. So, so, mm-hmm. so let's, let's circle back to the bank teller who's not engaged. right? Because I think, because I've never thought about doing that when I walked into the bank, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to the bank today if they'll let me in. Cause we're, um, we're, we're just opening up here in, mm-hmm. in Colorado and other parts of the country are more open. But um, what's the sign? Like, how, how are we going to, like, I have some ideas on, on what a disengaged person looks like, right? Because they look bored mm-hmm. and um, like they don't have a sparkle in their eye of any sort. But yeah. what's, what's your tip on that?
1: Well, you can see uh, if they're distracted by a magazine, if they're distracted by the work, they're not looking up. Um, I was a director of security bank, in fact, for four years, and I taught counterfeiting and fraud and so forth. And I always told our tellers, for example, you got a big line, mm-hmm. and we want to be very customer service oriented. And you got two three people, take a second, look back, said, I'm sorry, folks, we're a little busy, but I promise I will get to you as quickly as I can. That does great things to confirm the customer, I have seen you, mm-hmm. bad guys don't want to be seen. Okay. All right. And so if I continue this open customer service, making I talk, to you, hey, hi, how are you doing? How are you doing today? And so forth. Like at Walmart and at uh, Lowe's, if you get within a certain distance of their service personnel, they greet you. Well, that's a great customer service thing, but it's also very good of telling people, I'm aware you're here and what you're doing. We Ah, had a, um, okay. So it's simple things. Just a little simple. And, and it doesn't cost you anything. The simplest safety and security measures are procedural without spending a dime. Mm-hmm. Just a way to think had a, uh, just remind me, had an advanced class in Fairfax, Virginia, and had a true kleptomaniac. Oh, a okay. The person who really gets the arousal from boosting and stealing stuff from stores. Mm-hmm. And she said, there are days that you just don't feel it. it. It just doesn't give you that thrill that you want. You don't have okay. it. In other days, it just, you is that you'd really get off on it. And it's because when you almost get caught, and you go ah. right of clothes you get rid of the dressing room and the clerk comes over to us ma'am we can only take three or four items in or whatever and to confront them and know that you've conned them and turn around and walk right out of the store right or you could front in front of them and walk out without the merchandise See, those are the great days so <laughs> now know that behavior we can prevent behavior okay so you've spent time seeing you've learned how they do it how they get there so now let's you're making the customer aware making the public aware this is how somebody's going to come after my identity. This is how they will use me. So we build protections, crime prevention, risk management by teaching that sets of skills.
0: Customer service, basic customer service will run off a lot of fraud. Okay. Oh yeah. So, and, okay. And so let's, great for
1: your customer rating.
0: Absolutely. So let's, let's go back to, mm-hmm. um, uh, the basics of what you teach in, in your classes. Okay. Cause, uh, cause you have a, a technique that's just a little bit, different like a narrative-based interview Mm -hmm. technique right which is the same as interrogation Mm -hmm. um tell us a little bit about that how it works why it's different how people can can use it to because really what we want to do is get to some kind of confession or avert some kind of behavior that Mm -hmm. is that is omnipresent so talk about that for a little bit
1: there's two primary types. All interviewing falls into two primary forms. There's a narrative or information-based goal. Then there's accusatory guilt assumptive. Okay. And the guilt assumptive, uh, a lot of times confirmation bias comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be everything. Okay. It can be from gender. It could be appearance. It could be uh, you or the boyfriend, the girlfriend has had a problem. And we immediately assume and we, we reverse engineer, maybe that's the right word, but we decided, well, he's got to be guilty of something. Let me find it. Yeah. So we convince ourselves. So we've got the guy on the, on the crime. I uh, had a, an agency, we're talking about confirmation bias. And that's when you accuse a person. And if the answer doesn't give you what you want, you reject it because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit your theory. So you need to flip the theory the other way. Ask for us as much information as possible. Then what do you start to include and what's missing? But the uh, lieutenant from the said, I have a problem with my guys with confirmation bias. And he said, I don't know how to explain it to him. And he said, "Ask him, said, watch the movie Midway. Lieutenant Commander Layton was the, in charge of intelligence in Hawaii mm-hmm. before the attack on Pearl Harbor. He had warned the Navy and warned Washington, D.C. that, that what he thought Japan was going to do, that they were gearing up. Mm-hmm. And they rejected it. And so when... Admiral Halsey is appointed. He's, he's a new chief. He's out there in the Navy and he's out there at Pearl Harbor. Layton comes in to offer his resignation. And Halsey said, why would you want to do this? said, because I was in charge of the greatest intelligence failure in American military history. He said, did you tell anybody what you thought? Yes. I told Washington. What did Washington say? He said, Washington had made up its own mind before they saw the intelligence. If it didn't match what they thought they knew, they rejected it. And that's where they made the mistake. Hmm. So we have to avoid that b- bias. So a narrative based interview, I can't garner as much information as possible. I don't say who, what, where, how, when, and why. Tell, show, describe, or explain. And first of all, it opens up the dialogue between you and I. Tell mm-hmm. me what happened. For example, if, if I were to say, um, "Who were you with last night?" And you might oh. say, "My husband. We had spaghetti dinner." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's say I asked you, tell me about the person you were with last night, or tell me about who you were with. Mm-hmm. And so now I said, well, it's my husband. We, we, we're all crazy about this COVID stuff, and uh, he was off, and so he cooked, and we would, uh, but we really like to go out. And now we get a difference in story, different the length. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address is 272 words long. That's it, it was, 272. That was it. That's Written another- on the back of the envelope. Uh-huh. and the average length of questions of who, what, where, how, when, and why, or yes or no questions, those are the most commonly asked questions in interviews. Study shows that those two questions only gather to combine 15 words in an answer.
0: And you want to expand that, right? Cause the whole idea is possible. information recovery. So, so yeah. go over again. What are the best questions to ask? Uh, yeah
1: tell, show, describe, explain. Oh, I love that. And for example, um, let's say I get a, a robocall. <laughs> 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 one of the 15 I get during the day. Yeah. And uh-huh. every once in a while, just for the grins and giggles, I'll answer one. I'm here. Now, of course they got the car warranty thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And and the number, cause my area code is 859 on my cell phone, although I live in Florida. Right. You know, they're spoofing. And where are going to start the warranty. It said, Really? Uh, tell me about your company. Where's the headquarters? <laughs> well, we have the warranty. That, uh, no, I, I, that's interesting. Tell me your company name. Where's the headquarters? Oh, we're in Los Angeles. Okay. What, t- uh, I'd like to look at your website. Can you, for a second, give me your website. I want to see how your reviews are going. Give me your website address.
3: Uh-huh.
1: How old is your it. car? I want, but I want to look at your website because I look to see how the people. So part of manipulation is never answering your questions. So you can't make an informed decision right show describe explain
0: oh i love that um so um let's talk because i think that leads us to something pretty interesting and me and you have had um a a lot of discussions on this because people ask us on on facebook um about false memories because we've had we in and we're we're heading into an election cycle um and i know we discussed this on brett kavanaugh Mm -hmm. and his accusers of um, sexual uh, uh, Mm -hmm. abuse, let's say, Mm -hmm. and um, we have it again with Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. and here we have these women that are, I mean, when I look at it, and when you look at it, it's pretty evident they are congruent with Mm -hmm. sexual abuse for sure, sexual um, inappropriateness for Mm -hmm. sure happened. But there's also, because I remember you emailed me some info from the FBI on of false memories. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit and get a little bit deeper there. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that we know what questions to ask, how to get people to talk and, and mm-hmm. uncover a lot more information, information recovery, where's the line there between yeah. false memories and what's real and uh, interrogations? Let's talk about that.
1: If the most important interview that, that investigators have is going to be the victims and witnesses. Mm-hmm. That's a great source of information. Um, think of, kind of think of a case example. If I were to say, uh, for example, let's say we had a robbery of the do drop in. Okay. Some idiots robbed the place, okay. And so um, he robs the bar and he leaves. And so the first patrol officer comes, tell me what happened. I was robbed. You're <laughs> right. Like he had a gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> he had a big <laughs> gun, right? <laughs> Not this big, but he could launch a Volkswagen. That's called weapon focus. Uh-huh. And so the patrol officer gets frustrated. Come on, you got to tell me what happened. I did. What do you look at? And they keep asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. So instead say, tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. And so in, if it is, some of the things that's the worst is getting a description of someone. He's anywhere from 5'10 to 6'4, weigh 180 to 325 pounds, you know, and it's just all over the map. People mm-hmm. are very, very bad at ages and weights. Mm-hmm. So the, the officer, instead of saying, okay, was he wearing a dark shirt with a label on it? And so your brain retrofits that thats mm-hmm. contamination. Um, okay, oh, her name will come to me in a minute. Uh, she's one of the really good, uh, Loftus, Elizabeth Loftus, really good about memories about victims. And little subtle things like that can t- contaminate the memory. For example, instead ask, um, "How would you describe? What parts of his skin could you see?" Okay, so right now somebody said, "You were with Tracy. What parts of your skin could you see?" Okay, well so I said I could see her arms because she had short sleeves mm-hmm. and she had a, a, a kind of a cow neck uh, uh, shirt on with a blue stone that matched the blue. And so instead of saying, "Was she wearing a blue shirt?" Right, my mind goes back to fit that. Right. That, yeah, yeah. Those,
0: those leading questions. Okay. I think we've both worked on cases where the police mm-hmm. just sits there and contaminates the victim or the witness, yes. and it's mm-hmm. and it's like from my perspective, it's infuriating because I'm never usually in like I, 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 I'm looking after at the, the tape fact. after the fact, right yeah, um, yeah. yeah but so uh, h- how yeah. do we get around that? Um, how does that create memories like wh- what, do we, what can we do?
1: Well, I mean, over time. The, the memory elements begin to fade. There's, there's multiple types of memory. We have what's called flashbulb memory and uh, procedure memory and so forth. And so the fringes, you remember like a flash goes off and you typically got that little circle in front of us. And over so yeah. time that it fades. And so the main piece is stay, but then to keep things make sense, to keep continuity, we kind of fill in what makes sense. Now here's a picture. That's me and my cousin Timmy. Oh yeah, that's what we have the lake It was a family reunion. So we try to make something that explains it makes sense in a picture. We fill in vehicle cohesive story. So the longer the time progresses, the more clouded those memories become. But mm-hmm. there's some spikes. Um,
0: right. Significant or, emotional events will spike a memory to where yeah. it, it, um, it is pretty accurate.
1: For one thing, for example, think of that spike in a momentous decision in a job interview when you're hiring an employee, for example. Oh, I led the program to rewrite the policy on. Electronic data storage. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Tell me, what what moment did that happen? Tell me about when you realized you had a problem with that. Because that's, that's a main decision, right? And if they're going, well, uh, they probably have just picked up somebody else's excuse. They just padded their resume.
0: Oh, wow, for job interviews. Yeah, because, you know, 40% of people lie in a material way on a job yeah, interview. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, on their resume somehow. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's good. So say that question again, so people can get it and write it okay. down. <laughs>
1: okay. that was awesome. For, for example, if you were to say to me, okay, uh, I'm Christian. My dad was a Baptist minister.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Tell me about your conversion experience. That's something very important in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember being eight years old and my dad was a pastor and we talked about it a lot and he wanted to make sure that it was just not following kids that I really understood the process, uh-huh. you know, before we went through that. So ask someone, example, with your husband, think of the time that the moment that you decided to get married and when you felt committed this was going to happen. And that, you'll know that moment in your head.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, or I'm going to ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or when I made a decision to quit a job or I made a decision to start a project. Tell me about that moment when you made that decision. Where did that, that genesis come from? When did it start that you made mm-hmm. this plan? Mm-hmm. And so, when we look at a sequence with bad guys, they can tell us that moment, and I can see in their behavior in my interview, uh, what were you doing before that? How did you get to this point? What was happening right before that? So, my victim can tell me that, and then my suspect, when I'm debriefing them, I can pick out going through reverse order that that distorted thinking, planning, preparation, event horizon, event. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one to think of. You remember when you were on the stage at NSA, and it was the um, Shark Tank.
0: I do, and it's funny, when you said peak moments, that's what I thought about. Now, for people who uh, don't know me, I um, I was asked, to, or I got a chance to pitch to some of the sharks from the TV show Shark Tank at the National Speakers Association on the main stage. And um, presenting on the main stage is a career moment for any speaker, There's and there's 2,000 of people out there who best of the best. Um, yeah the best of the best not only the best of the best but the people who you need for referrals people you have to see again and i'm on a new script with sharks that had been chummed in the water in <laughs> front of everyone so yes i remember that and i was i don't know if i told you this i was backstage shaking beforehand
1: like yeah we talked right before that and, mm-hmm. and i was trying to calm you down <laughs> because you were, what do i ask what do i ask i said You're the expert in you. Just be you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was a
0: mess, but you know what? After that was the biggest high ever, Mm
1: -hmm. and it's
0: made every speech since then just easy easy as pie. Because nothing has been that high of a stakes. Nothing.
1: Mm -hmm. So, so um, so ask the 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 employee. Tell me about those moments now in your job career. You can't ask about marriage and things like that, obviously, it's the hiring process. But tell me what was in this. What was the thought in your mind, and what did you come up with that moment? And they should be able to tell you if it's that key moment within his career path. Mm-hmm. When you decide to leave one job and take another. Or why are you leaving? Uh, what are you looking for from from here? My old youngest daughter does a lot with um, uh, nonprofit groups. Okay. And she'd work for one nonprofit group. She moved from Kentucky down to Florida be- right before we did. And she was interviewing for the job executive assistant. And the soon to be boss, after Allison, why this job? She said, and it was an even fight between her and another, another lady. We're very qualified. Austin said, I've always preferred to work with someone who were trying to make a difference in the world. And I like to do that here. And that's the phrase that's today that she remembers and her boss remembers.
0: Oh, wow. So that was kind of a peak interview moment. Okay.
1: Now, when we got our new CEO, um, mm-hmm. Mary Lou Peck.
0: Right, because right? you're on the board of NSA, National Speaker Association. You are making a habit. It's been a tough year. Um, yep. Yep. and I thank you for your service because oh, I know what it's like.
1: But that was one of the things I asked because I want to hear it from Mary Lou Peck. hmm And I asked her. I said, "You've had, you know, opportunities with other people could have gone before. Why us?"
0: Uh-huh. What'd she say?
1: And and that was that similar moment. You could see the entire board. Not that they weren't. We already knew because of just her bearing and what she, her presentation that she was top drawer right off the bat. But she had went personal for that. That few moments and told us about her background and who she is and why she wanted to be here. And that's when I leaned over and and, and talked to Casey Carpenter. I whispered, This is our new CEO. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: Before we voted. Did
0: she know who you were? (laughs)
1: Before she (laughs) went
0: into the interview?
1: (laughs) No, she had no idea. She had not met us. That was her first interview. So think of that moment. Ask, ask more from the other person than you're giving. Mm -hmm. So I tell my interviewers, if you're asking, tell me. Or show me or describe, explain that elicits a comment. If the answer is longer from the person than your question, then you're doing a good interview. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting short answers, then then you're too narrow.
0: Oh, that's yeah. super interesting. So so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, because we know what the interviewer needs to do a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. what are some tells that that people aren't being straight with you And... um i mean there's a lot with body language i talk about that but mm-hmm. how how can people look at at the whole person listen to what they say see what they do and go wait a minute that's someone whose pants are on fire what mm-hmm. do you have a favorite tell to look for or how how do you, how do you approach this
1: the, um, you know i've talked before body language is very very heavily weighted with emotion mm mm-hmm. mhm and so I see that if I have the wrong emotion at work, if a person's very emotional, not cognitive, not thinking, emotion keeps you and I from getting that conversation because so they're kind of locked in. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, so if they're angry or, for example, or very depressed, we have to heal that first before we start exchanging information. So then I go, to, well, tell me about what happened. I want to help you. I know this is a traumatic event. Start from the beginning and, and tell you what happened. And so I listen to the sequence. One of the, um, the four areas in an event is what's called VAST. V-A-S-T. V is in victory for visual, auditory, sen- uh, sensor. Uh, I'm sorry, spatial, and temporal. Okay. So for example, um, this was talking, about. so yesterday we, we got a 110 pound German Shepherd. Okay? Yesterday. Rescued. Oh, no, okay. no, we okay. haven't, but yesterday uh, he didn't like to be outside. He's 110 pounds, he's all coat and this Florida 90% humidity, he's suffering. <laughs> Yeah. So uh-huh. And my wife has been taking care of our great grandbaby. And so he's mom is not there, been there with him. He will not stay outside. Rarely. Yeah. So I took him out yesterday morning at the backyard, about nine o'clock and you got to sit there and wait for him. And he decides he does his business and then he follows you back in the house. So I came back in the house. Now, if you're watching one of them, came back in the house. Well, it so happens that swing where I sit is right on the other side of this wall outside. Okay. And you come around this way. To our kitchen sliding glass door where Lanai is by the pool, and if you notice, said, and you see my movements, okay. He came back in. He comes to there and he sat in the sliding glass door. He's sitting right there. I said, "Come on in." He laid down. I thought, suddenly, you just turned the fans on to Lanai, and I left him. Uh huh. He stayed there for thirty minutes. So now my description, notice, I have the visual representations mm-hmm. of his weight, his description, of the door, of the swing, of the heat, okay um auditory and I'm, and I said come on in uh uh-huh. and he didn't come in and I'm talking spatial because I'm set I'm setting for you like setting chess pieces on a chessboard.
0: Yeah I can feel it and see. And like, and and so you can, can
1: see my story. Mm-hmm. That's when you got a genuine story. So when, for example with Jesse Smollett, uh uh-huh. he jumps those blocks. He misses big parts of that. He rehearsed the scene but it was not the way the scene occurred, in my opinion. Oh, it's right, allowed. yeah. Well,
0: and, and just because he was found, uh, just as a refresher, he was the one who faked an attack on himself
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to, for some racial purpose, or yeah. <laughs> probably to get attention for his career.
1: Um, but I've seen it with a security guard that, that faked he was assaulted by an employee. I've seen faked robberies that way. Oh, really? You know, faked assaults on campus that way. Uh, you know, they'll stage something, and they think they get all memorized. And it's called um, uh, reality monitoring. We monitor all those elements. So those key pieces are going to go back to, tell me about the moment when you decided to change the policy. Uh huh. So that'd be a similar moment. So that information is all embedded in there.
0: Well, right. But see, lies also, and I think I think um, you said this in, in your class. I've, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty common, but lies aren't connected to, to timing or... Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Emotions yeah. or uh, any of that sensory type stuff, right? It all has to be filled in. And if you can't fill it in, that's when you know Story's you got far. someone who's trying to snow you right there.
1: And, but we can use that same thing to do a better job interviewing victims. We help them with that. Mm-hmm. Um, describe the smells, describe the sounds. What did his voice sound like? Let's go back to the pretend robbery at the, the uh, bar. Um, how would you describe his hair? But does his haircut or style remind you of someone else? Who would it remind you of? And you help pull those elements together.
2: Oh, okay.
1: So that's the way we we work with victims. Now when I ask the bad guys about and they've got, let's, for example, traffic stop. Let's do it the other way, traffic stop. Okay. Uh, I get pulled over or somebody gets pulled over. How are you doing today, sir? Fine. Where are you headed? To town? Where are you going? See my buddy. What's your buddy's name? Mike? What's Mike's last name? I don't know. I just met him. Where does he live? In town. Watch street. I don't know how are you going to get there. Well, I can find it.
0: So they just can't, um, they, they can't they get can't the specific. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But now if you were to stop me and, and on uh, Lillard's Ferry, uh, Mr. Walsh are doing today. Fine, we're headed into town. but for? Going to the grocery. What are you going to the grocery for? We're having a cookout. My kids are coming over and I got to buy some ice and I'm supposed to get the pork and meat because my wife fought it. I'm, I'm going over to Kroger. Ta-da. You were going too fast. Please be careful. I'll only give you a warning this time. So eat, we have found even in smuggling operations, you know, we can always do it after the fact. Uh But what I've been teaching immigration and some of our uh, immigration guys and CIS guys and ICE, is look for intent. I asked the cops, I asked Stan, where is he going? What's he going to do? Mm -hmm. So some of the smugglers and terrorist operators will join tour groups. They'll memorize the itinerary where they're going but they won't have the spatial temporal experience of actually following in the Timur They'll leave the group, run their smuggling operation, and rejoin the tour group to come back across the States.
0: Oh, interesting. So huh, now where, wait, wait, where are these tours?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the one that I first saw this on was actually a tour in Jerusalem. Okay. Where guys had joined the tour and they disappeared. And then my wife and I went on a vacation with Trafalgar tours and there were some people that came over, they went on a group, they disappeared but until the last day in Rome, when we got a flight to catch back, then they showed up again, but they never were, and it was a paid tour, everything, but they didn't, they were nowhere to be seen. Uh huh. So they were hiding in plain sight, as you, you, as you explained the liars, they're hiding right in plain sight, right with the military group. And so good customs officers and immigration officers at the airport, border patrol, will catch those things. Because like, lying if we talked about it, is extremely mentally heavy activity.
0: Right. Very yeah. Overload. Cognitive overload. That's why so mm-hmm. many things fall off the plate, yeah. uh, body language and and mm-hmm. even tone and pacing and and yep. you'll use different words because your brain is taking up so much space trying to remember the story, and 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 create it. Yeah.
1: I was headed to a class in Columbus, Ohio. I was driving up I seventy five, and I think it was at exit one twenty seven. It was after the Fourth of July weekend. And somebody let the gate open and all the idiots were out driving up I 75. I mean, it was it was a NASCAR race. Yeah, yeah. And I had regretted removing the 50 caliber machine gun from the front of my truck because <laughs> <laughs> I want to cut some some cars and trucks now. So I thought, you know, got plenty of time. I'm going to pull over here. I'm going to give me a Dr. Pepper and a Reese cup.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> I love Dr. Say,
1: Pepper. Oh, my God. Dr. Pepper and a jar of peanut butter I can make across this hair desert. <laughs> <laughs> But I was going to sit, I was going to sit and relax a bit and just chill out. There's no sense to stroke out on this.
3: Uh huh. Okay.
1: And, and you, everybody's had this, somebody come up to you at the grocery park lot. Like, can I talk to you for a minute? And you go, here we go. Mm-hmm. This guy comes over and he motions for me to roll down my truck window at the rest stop. Hmm. So I look in this mirror and I look in that mirror to see what's around me. Right. So I window down about this far, Tracy, he starts like this. He goes... This may sound funny, but this time it's the truth. That's the first words out of his mouth.
0: This time it's the truth.
1: <laughs> there's, bing, there's one. Those are the
0: two things. <laughs> this might not sound right, and this, this time, time it's the, it's the truth. The
1: truth. The truth. <laughs> oh my God. So, then he, and he took a deep breath. He goes, <gasps> Me and my wife were coming up from Knoxville. So we ran out of gas, and we didn't bar- and ran out of gas. So, we we're trying to find some gas. So, the church having to get gas. We talked to people. and he said, i seen the gas lane. So, and, and we left the rest of them. my wife, left her wallet, the purse down in my wallet, in a purse, the purse we didn't come. And he's going as fast as he can. 'Cause it's a memorized story. Oh yeah. So my brain's thinking, wait a minute, Knoxville is at ice, is at exit seventy and okay, and I'm at one twenty seven. So that's two hundred and ninety miles, and they're just now deciding they need gas. Wait a minute. When he left the restaurant, what's the last thing you do when I leave the restaurant? You pay for your food. But he said he and his wife, she left her purse and his watch in her purse, they left it at the restaurant. I'm thinking, no, that's the first thing your wife's gonna miss. And what did you not and all that's going through my head right when I do all this kind of stuff? And he kept going, but now while he's doing this, I noticed he's moving out of my line of sight to here to my center post, where I can't, where I have to turn and see him. He wants money. He wants me to roll my window down and get out my wallet. What's he going to do? Grab the whole thing. He's going to rob me. Yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I don't have any cash. All I have is this thing from Smith and Wesson. I showed him my pistol. (laughs) All the way across the parking lot. But when you break down, he's learning from his attempts to steal. Uh Somebody mentioned, well, have you talked to the church? They will give you money. So he added that part to his story. Then he said, well, the state police have got a safety patrol. They'll come and help you. Well, he added that part. They couldn't come around. Well, if you're with your wife, does she have her wallet? So he kept modifying the story because he kept getting caught.
0: Taking out all the
1: excuses.
0: But and, and tried
1: not in the first place.
0: Oh man! So he ran. Was there anybody else with him?
1: I didn't see anybody. No, he was he was across the truck lot, and I said, oh, "Smith and Wesson took care of that one it? I don't. I think guess it so. To oh God.
0: <laughs> All while you're drinking your Dr Pepper. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, most interesting case you've worked on.
1: I think the one that really set me a path on training that like, like you and I do. And, and we try to create an engaging, educational, motivating setup for students. And I thought, if I want to talk to these guys, you have to be in their shoes, the police officers and homicide and all the mm-hmm.
2: and
1: They had opportunity to sit down uh, in uh, an interview with the American Hospital Security Association and interview with the serial killer, Donald Harvey. he had already been caught.
0: Now we talked about him in class and it is, it just made my gut, t- like my gut turns pretty easy. I think much more so than, uh, the average law enforcement professional.
1: No, no, kind of <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So keep, keep going, keep going. So it was an opportunity to sit with him and pick his brain. He was willing to talk. Mm-hmm. The idea was then to use that information from him to train the hospital personnel and hospital personnel, how to look for, doctors and nurses or aides or people who are harming patients.
0: Right. Cause, cause that's what he did is that mm-hmm. he was an orderly in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And he ended up poisoning people. Uh, or maybe you can describe it a little more because it was
1: gross. So yeah, it, he abused human beings sometimes four or five and six times before finally taking their lives. Mm-hmm. So we know from that behavior, he would take them almost to death and revive them, take them to death and revive them. He only picked on people who couldn't talk or who were invalid or who had strokes um, or who were uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, He was also was doing that outside the hospital because he got a pattern. He kept doing it on and on and on. But I wanted to to be in that room with someone very evil. Mm -hmm. I wanted to understand his thinking. And what helped me understand is the thinking of the bad guys. So now to use that in training for officers, here's things that we look for. Uh, You have to think like the bad guy mm-hmm. if you were going to do it. Um, I took uh, 80 hours years ago at University of Louisville, um, Crime Prevention Institute. And the example I use, think of your house right now. If you were locked out and your husband's away on a trip, mm-hmm. there is one place you know that you would go the easiest for you to break into your own house without making any much damage. Bad guys uh-huh. know that same spot.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. I'm trying to think. So My hardened, husband has this hardened. place locked down tight, so I don't know if I
1: could. I'd
0: probably be sleeping in the backyard.
1: Well, and, and so we have a, a big garage door and we walk Dakota, the German Shepherd, morning. our block is exactly a half mile around. Okay. That's <laughs> a stupid side note. So to keep from going nuts and to keep from getting weight, I have started walking. Okay. And so since February, I checked this the other day on my, on my Apple Watch. Since uh, mid February, I have walked over 300 miles.
0: Wow, Stan. <laughs> That's a lot.
1: About three miles a day, 21 miles a week. Figure that 15, 16, 18 weeks. Uh huh. That's so. Anyway, when we go out, uh, I told Hilda, be sure to put the garage door down before you leave. She said, why? Because there's plenty of places for somebody, if you leave that open to walk in and be sitting in there, in there, in the garage, out of your viewpoint, and Dakota's a chicken. He's, bless his heart, he's been abused. He is not a guard dog. He is okay. just a big couch cushion. Okay. <laughs> okay. And he's going to run. So he's not going to attack. So, but you have to think, if you were the bad guy, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And that would be an opening for them. So you have to think like that individual. How would I use a credit card? Uh, have... For example, we had a big credit card fraud ring that that we busted. Okay. And the bad guy, they were getting the credit cards from people's cars at a car wash. Okay. And They would run the cards up and they know the bank procedure that um, you may not see your credit card statement until 30 days later at maximum. Yeah. So you, ha- so you got a little with-
0: time unless you have alerts set or yeah. unless the mm-hmm. fraud department picks up some f- unusual activity. Like if, if you're a crook, you have to hope the Good system ass. breaks down just a little bit. So, okay, keep going.
1: Yeah. So he, he, he would, they would run the cards up, take two or three days. They'd run them the, the dirt off of them. Okay. Then he'd go to a bar. He said, I go to Goodwill. I buy a really cheap wallet, super cheap wallet. I put the stolen credit card, one or two of them in there and put about three or $400 cash. I'm going to have two or three beers. I'd make sure I leave or drop the wallet on the floor. Oh. And leave. Uh-huh. Well, some poor schmuck comes in, finds a wallet. First thing he's going to do is spend the cash. hmm Which maybe puts another day between you and the connection. Then he's going to start using the credit card. Who gets burned for the credit card and all the charges?
0: Oh, the other guy.
1: The oh man. Oh,
0: that's a new one. I hadn't heard that one.
1: Yep. So uh, there's common places like that that, that where they're filtering down letting somebody else take the hit
3: because
1: uh-huh. they, they didn't think about protecting the card. So if you, if you've got credit cards, absolutely put the alerts on them, get life alert, the other card protection programs that you know, this is out of your pattern. Now, sometimes it's a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have on my credit cards, I have a notice because you and I traveled a bunch. we got a American mm-hmm. Express. Mine records every single time a transaction is made, I get it a notice. Ooh, whether that's good. Whether it's online, or whether I go to a gas station or I just went to the grocery store to buy for, for cook dinner for my wife tonight. And so as soon as I did my credit card run, I get a notice from my card. You had a transaction at, at um, a Publix food market mm-hmm. for X number of dollars. And it's easy on your apps. So it's a good way to tell if where the card's being used. If I do on Amazon, I get a ping that says, you've just bought off of Amazon.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, you know who's... who's um who I'm talking to and and we're partnering up a little bit is um, ID shield and they, and they will um, help put all that money back. If the, if the credit Mm -hmm. card company gets you on some technicality, but, but then if your credit gets hurt, you know what they'll do is um, they're the ones that, that will handle that all for you and put your credit back in place. And man, for for 20, 25 a month, man, that's an invaluable uh, assurance right there. But yeah, the more we can set, um, all those alerts that are just irritating.
1: Mm-hmm. You um, remember, John, remember John, you know, John Cilio. I know Cilio. Yeah. Yeah. John was a victim of that. And oh yeah. Nearly wiped him out. Almost had, it was, a, if I remember right, his story's like half a million dollars. It was, it was a
0: lot. And I think and he uh, it for. was ID theft. It was someone he knew that worked for him, stole his identity, bought a house mm-hmm. and um, he had to, uh, he was going to go to jail for that and somehow yeah. he got out of the country where they couldn't get him and had to work on fixing all
1: that <laughs> before yeah, he could come was. home yeah, like, too much. you know we were thinking about lying and i like one of the, uh, the areas that you talk about in body language is how we can use body language for persuasive purposes but for good purposes about mm-hmm. your confidence and so forth and hiring on the lower end of the scale there's the light side and there's the dark side okay the light side is Influence or persuasion, right? The dark side is manipulation, manipulation social and, engineering, and, and, and coercion. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have to work against with officers in the accusatory interview, they tend to be manipulative, and not quite coercive, but it can it can drift into coercion. Uh-huh. The manipulation, they withhold information, they lie.
0: Mm-hmm. These are the bad
1: guys. They don't answer questions. They'll give you information. Okay. And the advantage is always to one side. In persuasion, both parties have input. Right. Both parties share influence. Mm-hmm. Both parties share influence is the tools that you use in persuasion. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay.
1: Um, influence is present. Persuasion is a vehicle that gets you to, to the to the end game. Yeah. To the rhetoric. But mm-hmm. okay. well, in manipulation! Think about, and for example, a robocall. All the ways to manipulate you. So they deny you information. Hmm. Okay, they use scarcity, which we can you and I use as a sales technique.
0: Oh yeah, we use it in sales. Three days only.
1: Yep. yeah. they, they use it
0: in Ponzi schemes too. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is just for a few people. Like
1: yeah. This is authority figure. Uh huh. IRS. The we just had a notice yesterday that came in here in Tampa, Tico Tampa Electric Company. That somebody's calling through their Tampa Electric. Your bill is late. If you don't give me your credit card right now, we're going to shut your power off. Right. So just to play in the old IRS games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so time limit, scarcity, uh, authority figure, and you can't identify them. The same thing happens in, when I work in banking and extortion cases. Oh. extortion case. So you don't know who the caller is. The caller said they had our teller's mom. If she didn't give the next guy that came in the money, her mom would do it, and you have to do it in 10 minutes. Well, that happened... We, there was no way that I or the FBI could get to that branch in that 10 minutes because she had no way of identifying that. Right. And, she had, and uh, now if, if they've got just enough information off the internet, they can convince you of that type of stuff. And so games of news, like if you have your child, your child's name is Susan, so be careful about what are you posting on Facebook and your other social media because that's engineered back from that.
0: Oh, yeah, because they... they um. They pick you out, they target you. They, they hey, do you have a good zip code <laughs> right? What's your, well, I mean, you can see what the house is worth on Zillow and yep. and they know they know who to pick. They if target you, you back
1: run across he's, he's an NSA member Morgan Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. don't know him. who is he Morgan Wright Morgan has done work with the NSA CIA the other NSA CIA the FBI Secret Service. He is a computer cyber security expert. He's on all the major networks a lot. Okay. And talks about how to protect your cyber self. Mm-hmm. There was uh, one case he described. I saw him present. He was a, he's a phenomenal guy. It's just ton of information to squeeze into ninety minutes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I think it was Bul- it's Bulgaria. And somebody sent a phishing attack. They had got enough information from about five or six employees in the Bulgarian power company. Uh huh. And so they could spoof an email and, and they say, Hey, Tracy, I've, darn it. I forgot my password to get into the control, uh, control panel for, um, tower C. Now, uh-huh. Can I use your password? Well, they knew that you knew me because they saw us on Facebook as friends knew that we both worked for the Bulgarian power company. And you go, yeah. And if they had hacked six people with enough information, they shut down 80% of the country of Tower Bulgaria, their power grid. Just because they could or or did they engineering? Yep.
0: Was it a, um, uh, where they have a ransom attack or was it just,
1: it was just because they could could do it.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of these hackers, that's how they are. They just want us to see if they can do it. And, um, while, while that's not a great intent, it's, it's better than, uh, hijacking, uh, you know, money out of people and things like that. So yeah, it's crazy now. Okay. Um, last thing we're going to cover. Cause I know okay. we talked about this when we were together. Um, Donald Trump. Mm. <laughs> okay. um, there is, I, there's a lot to say about him, mm. but there's also, and, and, and people go, oh, he's a, he's a psychopath. He's a sociopath. Um, I don't want to talk about policies. I want to talk about the way he presents whatever he has to present on that day. Mm. Um, let's talk about just real quick. Uh, the scale between narcissist all the way up to psychopath. What are the differences? Where does he fit? Let's just put the uh, final say on this. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we have not, the or not. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I think, um, you know, like him or not, there's definitely some some challenges there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think he exhibits them more than the average politician. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of people in politics are there for certain Reasons other than yeah. um, altruistic ones. So, yeah. what do you think?
1: I, I, it's in his personality and some of his background kind of gives me a hint. He he's a brawler. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I notice he like and he could say this in different ways. He he highballs a figure, so he might highball how bad Kim Jong Il is. You might mm-hmm. you might know, say he's really really bad or they're really really bad. They're really really bad. Then he has leverage. To, to have the power position and negotiation, what he wants to do as a business, on the business side. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that really frustrates him, because he's from two different worlds. He's in a world he's clashing. Mm-hmm. In the business world, you and I know how quickly sometimes you gotta make decisions or to get a contract done or to get a building done. And the government moves so slow. Oh, government so slow. Around. You know, <laughs> anything done. And he's using that heavy hand, with his very dominant, dominant personality to push through what he wants done to make things move. He hates inertia,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which creates all these ripples and, and, and people don't respond well to that heavy handedness. We all feel like we're being bullied, we're being intimidated, we're being pushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a true narcissist would uh, not be as functional. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: the true narcissistic personality disorder fancies themselves as of achieving all these great things without ever having put in the labor to get there. They um they want all the the best of things, the the the, the top drawer, they want the top restaurant, and everything else mm-hmm. just because I am. But
3: okay. they never okay.
1: put in the road work to get to that. Mm-hmm. Sociopaths, psychopaths, um, the one big disconnect that they both share, that technically they technically they're they're thrown into one group called antisocial, but they're, they're actually two subgroups. Um, one can disappear in society, the, uh, nature versus nurture, and there's always a big argument where that fine line is. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them lack empathy. They can't identify with the victims. That The psychopaths, clinically identified ones that I've seen with, um, the victim is nothing to them. The victim is responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent book that I read, that, and it's a long, it's about 500 pages. You know, Dr. Robert Hare is our current expert on psychopaths, sociopaths, out of Canada, H-A-R-E, Robert Hare. The new guy on the on the horizon is, and he just wouldn't bring that, He's uh, called the Psychopath Whisperer. Okay. Psychopath Whisperer. And his name will come to me about three o'clock in the morning. I'll sit straight up and remember it. Keith Kyle. Uh, Keith Kyle. Okay. Okay. And he sat down and interviewed and did the classification of psychopaths is really clinically hard. It's called a PCL psychopath checklist. Mm -hmm. He ran the psychopath checklist on a bunch of inmates in Canada. Then he worked in Boston. Then he worked down in Arizona, New Mexico now. And it did an interesting, did an MRI you know, that scans your body. There's a functional mark that watches the brain. And so he was mapping the brain. So if I were to say to you, um, honor, mm-hmm. okay, you have images to think of what honor is or integrity, or if I say garage, mm-hmm. or if I say, um, microphone, okay, your brain has different registration markers in it. Mm-hmm. So he used markers that were emotion based, like love, childbirth, fatherhood, Marriage, honor, character, uh, garage, car, Buick, street, sign, etc. And watch the brain's reaction. The psychopath's brain could not distinguish between emotion and animate objects. It was the same thing. So their reaction to anything, oh. love, was exactly the same reaction when they said they saw the picture of a garage. Oh, interesting. Okay. They have no emotional connection. So they tend to victimize endlessly everybody around them. Mm hmm. Um, down in the center of the brain, way deep, he talks, he uses emerald and stuff, it's called a P2. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the part of the brain that likes new things. Mm-hmm. It's the part of the brain that's curious and it needs to be fed. He found in psychopaths, sociopaths, that's not working. And so oh. that need is not satisfied.
0: Uh-huh. And so
1: the reason it's so abusive and so violent and so aggressive it's because they're looking for that stimulus that this thing doesn't respond to. So, going back to what we're seeing with Trump, uh, very, very uh, sensory dominant, fast mm-hmm. talking. Yeah. Um, not a great speech maker in terms of no. his, his language skills. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, George Bush wasn't either, but Bill Clinton was great. Obama was great. Reagan was great. Tony Robbins is good. And, you know, oh, uh, Nino Cabane, G-E-W-I-S, right. the, the, the verbal skills. Mm-hmm. So he's his limited verbal skills. He makes up on the other side for his aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his abruptness and brusqueness shuts people off. Mm-hmm. And to me, he could, he could watch his Twitter and stuff. He could be better with his language. He could be better with his people skills. He's um, almost like a patent. In some uh-huh. ways, you know, get it done, 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 get it done. Mm-hmm. and so he's just throwing the whole political arena into turmoil because of his constant driving, 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 driving. We're the Senate and Congress; nobody else wants things to take time. Let's percolate on it.
0: Right. So, so would you say he's on the scale? Not on the scale. What's your?
1: I, no, uh, clinically, because from the layman's point of view, and having done a lot of study on it, I don't. All of us will test some. Mm-hmm on psychopath sociopath scale. Mm-hmm. And if I'm right, there's 32 markers. Okay. Everybody scores some. Okay. And there's a threshold of, and again, I have to go back and look, I think it's 20 or 24 where you really get into the horrific side. Mm-hmm. He may have more markers than the rest of us, but from my understanding, go back and looking at the analysis, he does not chart there. But then again, you're talking about a layman, uh, right, right, yeah. Uh, it's just I just experience.
0: thought it was real interesting coming up because I think he definitely has tendencies of a of a narcissist. But I think it's also real interesting what you said is that a, a true narcissist won't have done the work and just yeah. wants all yeah wants all the credit. Can't focus and um and so I think I think that's super interesting. And I think um you know whatever side you're on, I think um it's important to have a little bit of science behind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your opinions, right? Yeah. So that y- you know what's you know commonly out there and and not and um, yeah. anyway,
1: I just think it's super interesting. Oh, he's really thrown the political world into turmoil. But then you go back and look, for example, at Harry Truman versus Franklin Roosevelt. Okay, Franklin Roosevelt very much of a populist. He was very popular with the people, and he mm-hmm. had a way of reaching and connecting with people, very warm, the fireside chats and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Truman was an extremely analytical person. Mm-hmm. And real, he didn't have great verbal skills, great communication skills, but he had a very heavy mental thinker. Mm-hmm. And so that time he seemed like he's disconnected sometimes when he could talk. So we may be seeing some of that within the personality, you know, the personality set from that extreme. Yeah. Uh, ben Carson versus uh, uh, Tony Robbins, for example. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson, brilliant, brilliant surgeon, uh-huh. um, but I'm not, I he could tell the joke, I think we'd miss it, <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> the super nice thing. guy, you know, but it's just, just it's just his communications, and it's interesting when we talked about body language, um, when my dad was a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a, what we call the deaf church, hearing and speech impaired church that met. In our church, another part huh. of it old, old, old Gothic church. Uh-huh. So once every month, that the deaf-speaking church would sit in our service, and their pastor would sign language my dad's sermon. Okay. So I was a kid; I was used to being around it, and it's interesting. So think about when you're yelling, mm-hmm. your voice is big, right? Yeah. When people who sign are angry, their gestures and signs tend to be further from my like, tend to be larger. Okay. When it's something personal, the signs are closer and the the zone tends to be smaller. Uh-huh. So it's like when you lose your eyesight, your hearing gets better. Right. Okay. When you lose your speech skills, your verbal skills get better. So uh-huh. people have low verbal skills tend to have lots of a lot of bad, bad language to make up for it. Uh huh. Then there's a set average in the middle. Then you get way over here. The people. Oh, have that's super interesting. Verbal skills, like uh-huh. again, like Clinton, like uh, Reagan, like Tony Robbins, like the campaign, watching and listening, it's, it's art in motion with their words and their body at the same time, because they've mastered both skill sets, both, both arenas.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, it just gives us a little more to look for because, um, Uh, You know, one of the great things about uh, the riots and the virus is that um, we haven't seen a lot of political commentary on TV. I -hmm. I think that that is fantastic. Uh, While I don't want these other disasters to have happened.
1: To get um, to, they have to do um, that. But, (laughs) but,
0: you know, through everything we've talked about, I think we have more tools. you know, in our personal lives and to make better decisions mm-hmm. for, for everything around there. So Stan, what, do, any last parting tips for people out there? How, how can, and how can people get a hold of you? Maybe get some of your, did mm-hmm. you have a new online class? Yep. Um, maybe uh, jump in one of your classes. Tell us all about that.
1: Okay. Uh, you can find me at the mm-hmm. and the media gave me that title. Oh, I love that. And so as soon as, cause I had, when AOL first started, I don't know what our screen name was. Uh-huh. I had an arson investigator in class. He said, when you get online, you can send me an email. Oh, it's an email. He said, "Well, you go? to He was fire guy, because there's was an arsonist, fire guy at AOL.com.
3: Uh-huh.
1: So I got AOL a month later, and I'm thinking, screening, what's a screening? Oh, I need fire guy. Okay, so I, I put lie guy.
3: Uh
1: huh. Well, as soon as I got picked up for an interview, somebody, oh, you're the lie guy. And I thought, that's a trademark. There you go. Oh, I I So the lie guy.com. Uh-huh. Is where you can reach me. Uh, there's contact information there. If you've got questions, there's a contact page. Help yourself and give me a call. If you'd like to to look at just some of the things that I uh, teach, academy.thelieguy.com. and I have some online training courses everywhere from an hour up to three or four to three-hour blocks. Uh, oh, tell you what, uh, how about a free ebook? Oh, that'd be awesome. How I do guess. people get the free ebook? Okay, 60-page ebook. Mm-hmm. It's overview of my course. Uh, go to the website, thelieguide.com. If it's your first trip, wait for about three seconds and a pop-up will come up that you can sign up and get it. Or on that front page, go to store and you'll see it in the store and it's listed for price zero. Uh, principles, of of Interrogation, a basic guide. Oh, cool. It goes through speech cues, body language cues, a free 60-page ebook that they're, they're welcome to to enjoy. Oh. i got a huge video channel with some of my media stuff and everything on it youtube.com slash the
0: lie guy of course <laughs> it's, it's yes about,
1: 100, about 145 videos up there but some of them uh, very short like three to four minutes long so it's just a little tidbit if you like to pick up on or an idea and they cover a few cases and a few of the media uh stories i've worked on have been our Zimari oh case. i love
0: and I you know, know here um information is so uh valuable so relevant to th- something everything everybody needs and and even when i watch your videos i'm like oh my gosh this guy's this is the master so um well, thank you so thank you for coming on thank oh, you thanks so for inviting me it's a blast much yeah yeah we'll have you back we'll have you back when it's time and i'll uh, take
1: you to prison one day oh <laughs> then you have some real stories to tell <laughs>
0: <laughs> perfect thanks for joining me make sure you subscribe to this podcast rate and review it i'll see you next time